You're listening to episode 7 of the Pre-Hospital Care podcast on the Medics Academy Network. Our guest this week is Ben Clark, Assistant Medical Director of the London Ambulance Service, to talk about leadership and skill acquisition in pre-hospital care. Now here's your host, Owen Walker. So just, just, just linking that really with... Um, so some of these topics you could have full podcasts on, just on leadership Definitely. alone. But we, w- I wanted to also broach with you a little bit around deliberate practice, yeah, and just, just, just how we, how we maybe fine tune deliberate practice to a place where, 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 when you are immersed in emotion, you can still perform under mm. pressure. So it's, um, it's, it's a bit of that, maybe that cognitive resilience. But um, what I just wanted to get your thoughts on Ben was what, what in your mind and your thoughts, what is deliberate practice, and and how can we sort of leverage it to, to bring the best out in, in us as, as clinicians yeah so for me deliberate practice is um it's not repetition and it's not innate um deliberate practice for me is identifying a task performing it getting feedback analyzing your performance analyzing the feedback repeating the task making changes and then analyzing yeah, looking at feedback. Fine tweaks. So it's fine tweaks, and it's all about you know. I've heard some really good talks uh, on marginal gains, and what it, what I think deliberate practice is. It's analogous to seeing Olympians, and the you know I've heard um, Tom Evans do a fantastic talk, looking at the great uh, the GB cycling team, and he looked at just the front forks of their bikes when they were uh, when they're in the velodrome and the changes they made to the front forks, making them narrower, making them more aerodynamic. Tiny, tiny changes that make up tenths of a second, but is a marginal gain to improving performance. And I think deliberate practice is analogous to that. And what it is, is it's repeating tasks, but not repeating tasks in the same way. It's identifying where things can be improved, acting upon that, and then analyzing, and then repeating with the changes, and then analyzing seeing what went wrong, what we could do better. So it's this constant evolution, these constant marginal gains to improve practice. And I think it's a continual process. The, the process never ends. And so for me, that's what deliberate practice is. Brilliant, yeah. I think it's one of those things I think that perhaps has become a little bit, bit misunderstood, certainly within paramedic practice and maybe within the practice of doctors, nurses and others as well, that just by the, the process of doing something multiple times yeah. makes you good at it. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's not the case. That's not true, is it? Well, no. You know, you can have the same day a yeah. hundred times. Well, I mean, if you look at intubation, you know, we sit there and, and clearly we, we, we want to make the first attempt the best attempt. Um, so, you know, we, we optimise. And we know that the first pass success is the best. That's the optimal. We yeah. want to get the tube in the first time. But if you can't get the tube in the first time, it makes no sense to do exactly what you yeah, yeah. exactly the same thing on the second attempt as yeah. you did in the first. You know, you change patient position, you you ramp them, you change operators, you change the modality. You know, it's a video laryngoscopy or whatever, and I'm not going to get in that debate. But it, it, you know, so this is it, it makes sense to me that uh, you always look for continual improvement, and that practice has to continue. With every so the next patient absolutely. is the next gain and the next gain absolutely. over and over again. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think I think fundamentally, Ben, I I, I, ho- I totally agree with you. And, and feedback really mm. seems to be the core component of this, which we touched on earlier. Just 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 getting feedback and all you do. Otherwise, it becomes this mindless task. 
that you can't then tweak or then fine tune because you're really not you're really not maybe getting the best out of uh, out of what you do and and maybe not even breaking it down into the most appropriate micro skills so i think sometimes where i've learned is it, it, uh, about performing um skill based um um, skill-based um, tasks is really the, the, the breaking it down into its micro steps and then looking at tweaking some of the micro steps so it's just, just mm. the ramping the patient mm. so it's just, just starting to leverage your your viewpoint um, uh, for, for, for a laryngoscopy um, start the 360 access did mm. you truly did, did you have 270 access or did you have 360 access did you share the mental model appropriately Breaking it down, when you know when you got IV access, did you maybe could you have got IV access five minutes earlier when the patient you knew the patient was bleeding, you knew their physiology was probably not going to get any better. Why didn't you get IV access there and then rather than wait for five minutes? And then and then the micro skills of how you got IV access. Mm. Um, but 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 you're right, getting someone over your shoulder who isn't necessarily going to intervene, but just provide that slow calming mm. either feedback after the after the job or even i think the most powerful feedback is 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 in in practice not even after practice so okay yeah i, I believe in you owen i know you feel like you're losing your <laughs> step up have another go maybe change thi- change things change things yeah just change things around mm. so slightly but it's that feedback in practice maybe just tilt the arm this way Look at look at what you're doing, um, and some 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 of the most horrific jobs with some of the most amazing clinicians. I remember doing a thoracotomy on a 14 year old mm. with a a, a fantastic um, mentor of mine, a, a chap called David Wise, who works down on the south coast now. And it was like we were having a cup of tea. It was this. It was literally as we're conversing now, and we're opening someone's chest, mm. a 14 year old's chest, um, uh, doing um, you know compression of his descending aorta and long twists this that and the other and it's no more no more stressful than how I'm talking to you now and things were getting done far more quickly um, because he he was his he was slowing things down but speeding things up yeah um, and that that calm consistent modeling of, of behavior and then what you could do is say actually Owen could you just extend your thoracostomy on the left because actually we, we just need a bit more. And he was st- starting to fine tweak practice so we could get better access into the chest. This and because we were going nice and slowly, in practice he could feed back to me things which were happening. And I just you take so much from those jobs and so much from those non-technical skills because they affect the technical skills. I think and that, and, and that modification of practice in in in, in time um, is is powerful. But as you said, it's that feedback loop. You do, you measure, you feedback, and you modify. You do, you measure, you feedback, you modify. You do, you measure, you feedback, you modify. And and, and so you're not 10,000, it's not the 10,000 hour principle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're not doing yeah, something yeah. for 10,000 yeah. hours because you could just be making the these point. fundamental <laughs> cognitive errors. Yeah. You repeat the same mistake yeah, exactly, 10,000 exactly, hours. Absolutely, exactly right. absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're changing, you're adapting, you're, and it's, so it's not mindless, it's very mindful. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So this is, you know, we've talked, and, and I'll take your point about the non-technical skills and the and uh, the characteristics of someone who's a calm role model on scene and a calm educator. What we've talked about is very much the technical, though, with with this. How do you then quantify the non-technical? 
mm. um, into deliberate practice? How do you how do you quantify the non-technical? So that's that? a really good question. So I so in in my way, the cognitive resilience of 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 being under I think measured measured stressful situations. So um, I think so critical care practice is, is, is excellent for this because what happens is you um, start you you your subject and immersed in stressful circumstances. I think in a graded fashion, if you can, so for instance, we've just recruited, I believe, more critical care paramedics, and there's gonna be a significant mentoring component to these critical care paramedics. I think if you can, in a graded way, um, expose, so it's graded exposure. Mm -hmm. And so it might be like, okay, so the first patient, I'll see, yep. you just, just sit back, just watch how I do it. There's mm -hmm. maybe the second or third shift or fourth shift, what I'd like you to do, the ownership is gonna be yours. I will be there, but it's this graded exposure to, and, 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 and withdrawal of safety net. But so, and what, I'm, and what I'm looking to do in that graded exposure of say you as a, as, as, as a mentee is, I'm gonna give you feedback after the role, after the, after the incident. Um, I'm gonna co comment on your technical and non-technical skills, but initially look how I do this. Just eat mm. the meat and sprout the bones. Mm. Take all the good bits you see from my practice, not technical and non-technical, um, and then this is what I expect of you. So I'll model it to you, and then I'm gonna, in a graded fashion, throw you into it, because you are gonna be without me as a mentor mm. in, in five, six, seven days time. So it's that, I think it's that graded exposure and that, that, that facilitates, in my mind, cognitive resilience. And I think there's, there's, there's kind of one of the big step changes for me with, with coming to critical care as opposed to uh, paramedic practice that I've been doing before is this understanding of why I do what I do when I do it and what it is that makes me, me, and this whole idea, and it, it's a term that I'm no expert on and don't fully understand, but the whole idea of metacognition, so thinking about thinking. Um, and so and it, it's a really difficult task to do. And it's, it's, I find it very difficult to do as I'm processing with a patient. I tend, because my brain, high functioning brain power is nowhere near big enough to treat the patient and then think about why I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. Um, but... Um, <laughs> this whole area of what made me make that decision at that point what made me think or what makes me think how i think and some of that is part of your training and how you've where you've come from but i guess you could, the biggest step change for me was changing that or being aware of it and then mm. changing flaws in mm. because then you, you you begin to understand your own cognitive bias thinking and what it is that leads you into making errors i think yeah what, what, how do you what do you think ben yeah it's so metacognition is is something that it's a concept I, I still find yeah. ridiculously confusing, and, and actually, when you were when you were talking, then it reminded me of um, when I was on scene and had a camera crew with me. Yeah, and it, what it what it did is you're performing your role, your clinical role, you're managing patient care, but there's a, an aspect of your mind that's sitting there thinking, "What am I doing?" How is this being perceived? Yeah, how or, uh, you know, yeah. how is it coming across? How's Am my I? Hair? Yeah, well, how's my, what little's left? Yeah. Um, it's it, and it, it's fascinating because what that did in in a way is it forced me to almost uh, view my own practice uh, objectively whilst yeah. I was practicing. Right. If okay. that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. is getting meta. Yeah, it is. But um, <laughs> but it, that was that's kind of the only only way I can think about it is. It's that constant process of evaluation of 
knowing, you know, as you said, knowing what you know, but it's that self-awareness, knowing your limitations. Um, it's acknowledging them, but then, and now allowing that knowledge of your limitations to then be a stimulus for further training and further education. Yeah. Um, and so it, it almost, you then, it, it comes into this Dunning-Kruger thing as well. And so it's, it's almost this, you know what you don't know. Yeah. And so yeah. therefore that then guides your learning from there, and, yes. you know, become and so the, kind of the, I guess, the concept behind self-directed learning as well. But but what it implies, and and I guess what it suggests is the person has to have that self-reflection and that capability to yeah. look into themselves and, and kind of have that insight. I just say it's, it's, it's having a level of insight into yeah. who you are as, as, yeah. a, as a practitioner. Absolutely it, right. Um, because otherwise, like we said, that that, that ten thousand hours changes nothing, does it? Unless you mm -hmm. you understand why you are. Who you are, yeah. that's getting really definitely. Now, isn't it? It's getting yeah, ridiculously yeah. meta, but it's but it's knowing that, monitoring it, yeah. kind of evaluating, and, and that evaluation is self evaluation. That's peer evaluation. It's mentor evaluation. Yeah, using that information and then taking it back so really and, and translating it back. Concept. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, and I think it's one of those concepts that's just you know simplistic, really. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I find it, I find it esoteric, but but it also makes complete sense, and yeah. it, and it. You know, it's a really good question because it links into everything we've been talking about, really, and it's just back to that self-awareness and that insight yeah, yeah. and that and that constant process of evaluation that I think good clinicians have. Yeah. And I think self-awareness is an interesting one because that links into emotional intelligence, and I think that also just links into um, fundamentally appreciating how you come across as a leader and, and, and just being aware of how you come across and just being mindful... Um, because that of, 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 of developing that because you can develop that as a leader um, and to get the best out of people I, I, I it'd be interesting to see what you think about this Ben but I, I think fear driven leadership you will mm. never get the best out of people yeah. uh, if, if you drive people through fear but through respect and through like you said affirmation mm. um, um, of, of, of the tiny things you see doing well you will actually get far much more out of people and you mm. get you, you get you get better performance because it's kind of that co performance driven by confidence um, and and then just that step-by-step -step mi uh, micro skill um, um, mentoring mm. uh, and just kind of breaking it down talking it through overtly sharing it with the wider team or that individual that's, that's struggling with the laryngoscopy with mm. the IV access with with any of those micro skills but what I just like to come on to Ben is um, so just um, within sort of the, the the metacognition how have you reflected um, so it's thinking about thinking isn't it and it's thinking mm. about in practice and on practice have you ever arrested yourself sort of stopped yourself on scene and thought whoa whoa whoa, whoa no no this I, the way this I'm skinning this cat, the way I'm mm. driving this job clearly isn't working. I, I'm going to have to change tact. I have to, I have to. This the ship is not sailing the way I want it to. I've got, I've got to take a different approach. Have mm. you ever had to? Yeah, and and what a the, the probably not a job, but a scenario in particular. And, and you know, I can talk about jobs where. Well, no, actually, I, I will talk about a job. Um, I remember a circumstance where I had the, you know, it's the classic talk and die, that terrifying job that we all dread. Um, a lady in a car accident, very, very large lady, who was difficult to assess and was talking, you know, was for all intents and purposes, uh, cognizant, and 
you know, aside from maybe a thigh injury, didn't look like she had much going on, but didn't have a radial pulse, you know, had a carotid pulse and deteriorated in front of me. And for me, it was, it, she eventually, eventually arrested and turned into a thoracotomy. And I realized I lost control of that job very, very early on when I thought I have absolutely no idea what's going on with this lady. And I'm, I, I'm certain I said that to the paramedic I was working with. I said, I'm, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what her injuries are. And that's a very disempowering feeling. Um, and I, you know, I wish I could say I dragged that back and you know, it turned into a wonderful success story. And it didn't, unfortunately, this lady died. But what it did is it allowed me to think, okay, so where have I gone wrong in my assessment? You know, I need to go back right to the beginning. Let's look again. What have I missed? What don't I know? And that's probably the most salient job I can think of where I've actually evaluated myself as I'm going, going along. The, the, the problem was is I couldn't get the answers. And it, it, it's a very humbling experience. And I think it then sort of translates into this humility versus hubris in your practice. And that's the, that's the sort of job and the realization that actually I haven't got all the information. I don't know what's going on. Um, that's the sort of thing that then I think translates into better clinical practice because it's then inspired me to go, right, if I have this patient again, how am I going to change? What am I going to do differently to try and change outcomes? And that's part of that metacognition. It's, it's how was I thinking then and how can I change my thinking yeah. next time to be, yeah. to be Absolutely. a better clinician? Absolutely. Um, which is, is, is yeah, they're difficult emotional patients. They're difficult oh, psychologically and then it's you know, difficult um, introspectively mm. to do all of that. Mm. Uh, and then you might have to do it five or ten minutes later. Yeah, Exa well, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think one of the problems, and you guys would know this as well, more often than not, you turn up on scene or you see a patient and you've got a pretty good idea about what's going on. And you know, you think, right, okay, I'm, I'm all over this. You know, I know what's going on. I know this is exactly what I need to do. This is how I'm gonna do it. And boom, you know, you do the job, you perform and you know, debrief, etc., and highlight little bits and pieces. But when you realize, actually, I don't know yep. what's going on, yeah, yeah. that's when, that's yeah, when yeah. it can all fall apart yes. very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also provides probably, I think one of the most powerful stimuli for learning. Absolutely, and it's and it, it, unfortunately it is those patients and those jobs which actually give you the biggest insight in, in, into you as a as a clinician, and it's 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 quite an uncomfortable place to be, isn't it? But actually, um, but actually, it's um, sometimes the the best place to be because yeah. you get the, the, the feedback. Um, ben, just that's been really interesting today. I've I've, I've kind of got a real insight into yeah, uh, into, oh, you. I've loved into it. Yeah, yeah, into into your perspectives and and just uh, and and your journey as as well actually. So it's been it's been great. And um, yeah, just thanks for opening oh. your your Thank thoughts you. yeah. and mind to 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 no our worries. Our questions. No yeah. worries. It's been great, Ben. Thank no, you very much. thank you so thanks much for having me. me. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. And um, and so we'll, we'll we'll check you next time on the Pre Hospital Care podcast. Take care, guys. Guys, goodbye. This has been the Pre Hospital Care podcast on the Medics Academy Network, hosted by Owen Walker and Rich McGear to bring unique insights to paramedics and other emergency healthcare professionals wherever you are. If you like our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with a friend. 
Many thanks.